I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to the Dream Job Ready podcast and video series. My name is Dane Sharp, I'm your host, and my special guest for this episode is Jeff Reibel, who's the CEO of the North Queensland Cowboys National Rugby League Football Club. Please note that the opinions of guests are their own and not those of the companies they have worked for. G'day Jeff, thank you so much for joining me as a guest on Dream Job Ready. Mate, CEO of a National Rugby League football club, the North Queensland Cowboys. Um, that is legitimately the dream job. How did you get your role? Uh, Dane, uh, thanks for the opportunity. And, and, and I think like anything in life, you know, when I graduated as an accountant back in 1995, uh, I always had an aspiration in sports, uh, but to actually be here is, has been quite the journey. Uh, you know, and I've had uh, jobs in schools, in private schools, uh, but I think... What really put me forward for this one was if I go back to 1997, uh, my first job uh, in sport professionally, I suppose, was with the Cowboys. And uh, back then there was Super League. Uh, uh, we had an under-17 squad and, and my brother uh, uh, relocated from Bowen up to Townsville. I was working at the Townsville Grammar School uh, back then and uh, they needed a team manager, which essentially was a, a water bottle filler and some ice bag filler. And... Uh, uh, I, I put my hand up for that and my sport career began. So for the first five or six years, uh, I had a full-time job as a, as a business manager in private schools uh, over in the UK as well, but juggled that with the different roles within the Cowboys or representative teams and the like, which really opened up my eyes and my world uh, to be able to work in sport. Mate, that is amazing. From, from water filler to CEO. That's, you know, you've got a dream job now, but that's almost a Hollywood script. Sport is my passion. I think, you know, and in, in, in the times that we're living in at the moment, a lot of people are missing that passion or that outlet on the weekend. And, you know, when in my, in my role, you know, in, in any role when you work in sport, you work towards that game day. That's your reward. In, in my case, you know, when the boys run out in front of 20,000 people and a million people on TV you know, that gives me nothing but pride. You know, that says to me everything that we've done that week or whatever we're doing is is all worth it. Uh, so that sporting background for me to be able to mix sport with business, which is what was always my forte uh, as such, uh, is something that, mate, and you said it, your podcast says it, it's a dream job. That's great, mate. And, and you know, the, the word passion is is so critical for, you know, any type of role and, and you know, any type of um, enjoyment that you, you know, you need to and want to get out of your of your job. The sales and marketing manager role that you got in 2003, yeah. if we can start there, because straight away, you don't always see sales and marketing in the same job title. How did you get it? Um, and I guess, how quickly did it bring you into the business world? 
yeah, it's it's interesting. You're right. Sales and marketing never the twain shall meet, really. And uh, and that was the title that I uh, I suppose worked to in the last part of that role, which was a seven year role, as you said. And uh, I actually started off as the corporate hospitality sales manager. And I've still got my first business card that I stuck to my desk here, actually, because of what it meant to me at the time. And interestingly, at that time, I was studying my MBA. And uh, the, the fellow who was what was termed the marketing manager of the club, uh, which is now the commercial manager, uh, he was studying at the same time. Uh, Lewis Ramsey's his name. And, you know, uh, he's now our chairman. And uh, Lewis and I were working together. And uh, one day he said to me, mate, I might have a job for you at the club. And, uh, and I said, oh, yeah, I'm listening. And uh, we had a good chat about it. And he said, mate, it's a sales role. And, and I said, mate, when I conjured up sales back then, the old door-to-door, uh, you know, vacuum cleaner or encyclopedia, I said, mate, I'm not a salesman. And he said to me, mate, in this job with this club, you don't have to be a salesman. You have to be passionate about your community and passionate about our product. And that's what I was. And uh, uh, so that allowed me to come into an organisation uh, which I've grown to absolutely love and, and an organisation that I've been part of on and off now for that 15 years. And uh, back then, we only had 20-odd uh, staff members full-time. And, and straight away, and, and, and I say this to anybody, when you've got the opportunity uh, to do what you are in progressing, uh, Number one, luck doesn't play any part of it. You make your own luck with, with your hard work. But you do that through your networking and you do that with seeking out mentorship. You know, and uh, I've been really fortunate to have some of the most uh, wonderful mentors in my time here and, and also in my time working through the sporting industry. And none of that was on a formal basis, Dane. Dane that was all about, you know, growing those networks, you know, earning those people's trust and then Really importantly, uh, and, and the reason why I was able to come back to the club, staying in touch with those people and, and not burning those bridges. So, so mate, essentially my role went from corporate hospi- hospitality sales manager into a business development role. And then uh, back then at the time, membership was coming a little bit more prevalent in the NRL. You know, they were really pushing in that. And we're very fortunate because of the passionate community and also the, the businesses that we had around North Queensland our corporate sales program, because of that, was a, a, quite a program where we sold out. So what I was able to do was was look into that marketing side, uh, do some more study around that to see, okay, how can I fit in with that? So that's where the sales and marketing role came from as such. And I made the conscious decision uh, as a family, my wife and I, in 2010, uh, to move from North Queensland down to the Gold Coast. And... Uh, And that was actually a a personal decision. Uh, And when I look back on it now, uh, it was a decision I say is personal, but there was career career objectives in there. It'd be fair to say, spinning my wheels just a little bit. uh, And whilst I love what I do and the like, it's important that you're not insular. It's important you go out and get other experience and, and other experiences. And as you've said, I uh, went to the Gold Coast and uh, uh, ended up with a role at the Titans. Now, I went into the role at the Titans, and one thing I'm really proud of about that was uh, Michael Searle was the owner of the Titans back then. And uh, Michael said to me, mate, I haven't really got a role, but I heard you can do what you do, so I'm going to employ you. And uh, that said to me, okay, well, that networking is working. And uh, 
I went to the Titans, you know, rightly or wrongly, at a, a really interesting time in their them as a club. You know, they they were getting established. Uh, they were only in the league for a couple of years. You know, they were coming off a, a fair bit of success where they made the, the grand final qualifier. Uh, but there was always those, uh, I suppose, uh, people talking about the money situation down there. And uh, what I walked into there and, 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 and I'd learned from there how you deal with certain elements around business uh, that uh, challenge you, uh, how people uh, react to that is really important and you as a leader that the uh, the influence and the I suppose the objectives and also the examples that you set through that and uh, that time at the Titans was around 18 months it was a turbulent time uh, however again I was able to really connect uh, with some good people uh, in that base and, and leaving North Queensland you got to remember North Queensland and Townsville were a we're a big country area as such, but we're very, our club is built on its community roots. Uh, down on the Gold Coast and the transient nature of the population and the like, that was really different for me. And, uh, you know, I've, I came out of my time at the Titans uh, with a lot of lessons, uh, with some great networks and uh, my old mate, Chris Choppy Close, you know, who, you know, state of origin legend now, I'm, I'm fortunate, you know, he I can call him at any time uh, to have a chat, but, uh, it led to another opportunity, and that was the way that I was looking at it. What look at these opportunities? And uh, at the time, V8 supercars was just absolutely killing it, mate. And you know from your background, it, it was uh, in that in that mid two thousands to late two thousands. They were, you know, at pinnacle and starting to get close to you know the bigger codes around their commerciality. I wanted to be part of that. I really wanted to be part of that, and. Uh, uh, I was um, on SEEK, funnily enough, and uh, a, 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 sponsor, a sponsor servicing position came up with Stone Brothers Racing, okay? Uh, and that's fellows by the name of Ross and Jimmy Stone, uh, you know, Marcus Ambrose, Russell, um, Russell Ingle drove for, for them and, and won three championships. Shane Van Gisberg and Scott McLaughlin were development drivers and the like, so they come from great pedigree at, at SBR and... Uh, it was a job that I was overqualified for, uh, but I saw an opportunity. So uh, I got myself an interview and rather than sitting down for the normal interview, I actually pitched to the commercial manager uh, and to Ross Stone that rather than sponsoring servicing, why don't you look at a business development manager? I could be that business development manager. I could bring with me, without being arrogant about it, the experience that I've got from outside of V8s you teach me the V8 business, and I think we can get some incrementals here. And uh, uh, to Ross's credit, uh, and also a fellow by the name of Chris Wilson, who's a commercial manager, and he now runs Team Penske over in the US from a marketing and a commercial operations. Him and I worked together for a number of years. And uh, then I jumped into the V8 world, and man, what a circus, you know. And uh, I learned pretty quickly about where their commercial success was and also the pressures uh, on that business. And, uh, uh, and, and working for a guy like Ross Stone who had a staff of 80-odd people uh, in V8s and we had a, a fully complemented workshop. And, and you've got to remember, I'm not a car guy. You know, like if uh, I had to go to race meetings, I, I'd love the spectacle. And when people would talk to me, one of my jobs was to give them pit tours if you've ever been to a V8 race commercially. You know, what's under the hood, Jeff, this, you know, my eyes would glaze over. But, uh, you know, the experience that I got from there where 
I was then exposed to markets, not just in the east coast of Australia, but all of Australia. Uh, we raced over in New Zealand. Uh, we raced in Abu Dhabi and in Texas uh, during my times there. And uh, quite interestingly, I came at a time of expansion in V8 supercars where the old traditional Horde, uh, Ford and Holden rivalry was getting expanded. Nissan came in, Volvo came in, uh, and the opportunity for Ross and Jimmy Stone was that the factory backing from Ford was dwindling at that time. Uh, a lady by the name of Betty Klomenko came along and uh, Betty actually uh, bought Stone Brothers Racing, uh, turned it into what's now known as Erebus Motorsport. And uh, uh, that's when we were racing uh, in those years, uh, the, the Mercedes AMG package. Uh, so we introduced those AMG Mercedes to the grid. Now, when you look back on it, what was achieved to, you know, all of the, the rules and regulations and parity that you had to do, which I don't understand too well, um, you know, what we achieved and what those guys achieved to be able to get those cars on the grid in that year was just absolutely unbelievable. Betty's an interesting character, and I think uh, a lot of people who follow sport will, will see Betty. She's very colourful. You know, she's uh, the daughter of, of, of the late John Saunders, who co-founded Westfield uh, with, with Frank Lowy and... Uh, uh, what you can't what you can't say about Betty is uh, what you can't knock about Betty. Sorry, is her passion for what she does uh, as such. So uh, that was that was a really interesting time in my career, and I could have gone one of two ways there. That um, you know, I was on the road for about 140, 150 nights a year. When you look at all the events that you go to, and and I didn't have the passion for it anymore because the people that I, I had the passion with were no longer there. And uh, I made a decision, uh, it was actually at Bathurst uh, back in 2014 that uh, I, I'd had enough of that. And uh, the reason I had enough was my family was on the Gold Coast. I was, you know, as I said, everywhere. And uh, and one thing I really yearned about in, in rugby league and, uh, and in other sports and what I was used to is you had that home ground, you had that connection within your community and the like. And, that, that didn't happen in VH. You know, you, you visit an area for five days, you do what you can do there, and then you say, see you later, we'll see you next year. Uh, so I made the decision that, um, you know, if there's an opportunity to get back into rugby league, uh, that's what I'd like to do. And uh, uh, there was an opportunity to go back to the Titans uh, at that time in, in late 2014. But this is where I suppose the lesson around mentoring and, and keeping uh, contacted and, and networking, um, I reached out to our, who is now our director of football, Peter Parr at the club here, uh, who was my CEO when I worked at the club, you know, which is really unique now. I'm CEO and he's our director of football and our then chairman, Lawrence Lancini. Uh, and I just wrote him a note and said, guys, this is what I'm thinking about doing. Uh, you know, you've had a lot of influence on my career. I wanted to let you know where I'm at. And uh, quite interestingly, and, and, and I shows it's a reflection of the man that's uh, uh, within 24 hours, uh, Lawrence was on the Gold Coast having lunch with my wife and myself, saying to me, mate, uh, are you ready to come home? And uh, this is home. And uh, on Australia Day on January in 2015, I started back at the club here uh, in a commercial role. And uh, it's really interesting how things work out. The, the, the fellow uh, who I was reporting to at the time, uh, Steve Mitchell, uh, Steve is now uh, the CEO of the Titans. Uh, and Steve, yeah, Steve left our club to, I suppose, expand his wings where he ended up down at the Melbourne Rebels uh, and then uh, CEO of Touch Football Australia. 
and it's now at the Titans. And uh, with, with Steve making that decision to leave gave me another step uh, or earned me that step on the pathway. And, uh, uh, you know, in uh, October of 2018, uh, or September of 2018, sorry, that was when uh, I was approached uh, if I would consider taking an acting role of the, as CEO of the club, you know. And, and when I look at that time from 2010 leaving the club to coming back at 15, the type of person that I was and, and, and what I valued and, and who I thought and my personal brand. And, and, you know, a lot of people talk a lot of words, you know, they talk, but, you know, I, I like to be simple, but I also like to be authentic, you know, and that's one of my characteristics of my brand about being authentic and, and conscientious in the, uh, from that respect. And I said, I'd, I would love to do that, but I need to understand, you know, as a club where we're heading, what are we doing? And, you know, I was able to put that forward to the chair uh, and the board at the time uh, and talk about structure and our people. And, and it's really interesting as a club and as a sport, rugby league just grew, you know, the, the, the dollars that came into the game from the TV broadcast and what the salary cap was and the like. And I wanted to make sure as a club and as a game, we knew who we were and what we're doing and, and why we were doing it. And uh, so a lesson for me is, you know, never, never be afraid to look outside of that circle of influence and say, well, how am I going to get challenged here? And what we did was uh, we employed somebody externally to come in and have a look at our club, you know, uh, get feedback from staff, feedback from myself, from the board, look at our strategic direction. And it's what you can see in the background that, you know, we learned pretty pretty early on that we need, to, we need to get a focus, a purpose. And that purpose, believe it or not, is simple. It's there, what can we do to make a winning football team? And from that purpose, we're able to, to uh, create our trademarks and our values. And something that I'm particularly proud of in those trademark and values is that we use them across the club. Whether you're Michael Morgan, our captain who, you know, enters the field of battle or somebody in our community department or our financial controller, we have a common platform across the club around our purpose uh, and what our trademarks are and how we behave and act and interact with each other, you know, which I think is so crucial to a high-functioning organisation to be able to be agile, cross-functionality, but have that common purpose across it and common uh, vocabulary. So it was that was a really important part for me to be able to set us on the pathway forward. Uh, we introduced a COO uh, to, into the club and uh, without sounding incestuous, that COO, Michael Luck, was working within the club. He played for us in first grade, also played 150 games for the Warriors. But when Michael was a development manager at our club, he used to live at my place as well. So what we're able to do is find that trust and that structure straight away between Michael, Paul Green, our head coach, Peter Parr, our director of football, uh, and myself. What we were then able to do is build the teams around us and we're really fortunate. We've got some of the best in the business here and uh, what doesn't work in any organisation, in particular in sport, is silos, you know, and, and what we had to do was get rid of those, uh, you know, get rid of any chance of that happening and uh, we then worked together to come up with our strategic pillars because at the time in the club, we're coming to a really, uh, a, a real pivotal time uh, we're about to move stadiums. You know, we've got to play one game in that new stadium, uh, you know, before COVID hit. Uh, we're investing in, a, in the Cowboys Community Training and High Performance Centre.
that's a $40 million investment, you know, which will be our home and our high performance center, but we've done it in a model where it'll also be a, a revenue stream so we can diversify what we're doing from a revenue perspective. Uh, and also in my role as CEO here, I sit on, uh, I'm a director of our foundation. Now, our foundation, the Cowboys Community Foundation, we run and are responsible for NRL Cowboys House, which is a boarding facility for 100 Indigenous remote students. And how does education fit into a sporting team? Well, it's, it's, it's you know, giving these kids the inspiration and the opportunity and removing education, uh, sorry, uh, travel and distance as a barrier to their education but also they, they are and they relate to our brand, the Cowboys and what we mean in the community. So we've got a hundred students in there that we partner with eight different schools at as well uh, to make sure that these young men and women get an education. And we had our first four graduates uh, just last year on that. So one of the, the key takeouts for me out of all of this is as a club, uh, we, are, we are a footy club. That's our heart and soul. But we mean so much more to what we do in North Queensland. And it's because of what we do on the field, the type of people, the type of players that we're able to attract and retain and, and nurture, you know, guys like Jonathan Thurston, Matthew Scott, Matthew Bowen, Matthew Singh, you know, guys like that, Michael Morgan, who's a local junior and is now our club captain. It's because of all that which allows us to do those other wonderful things that we've talked about. But when you stray away from your core business, you've got to ensure that your core business is, is rock solid. And stray is not the right word. We made some, you know, some real, I suppose, educated and, uh, uh, and well thought out decisions to do what we do. But you need to make sure that that core uh, is still in place. And, and I see my role, you know, I'm, I, what I call, uh, I term myself a, a conscientious leader. At the end of the day, I need to make a decision. I need to be decisive, but also I need to ensure that I take on board the fact that I've got these wonderful professionals around me, their opinion, and, and value that opinion, and then make the decision from there. So rather than that autocratic style, that conscientious style is something that I believe has, has given me the opportunity to get me to where I am today. I think you've got about a thousand uh, CVs in your inbox already after uh, people just listened to that. Uh, it, passion, like, you know, it was one of the first things you said um, you know, in the first question, but it's it seems like it just runs rich in you, which is awesome. And and I remember a previous guest I've had, Angela Sun, who's in a very different field. She's a TV anchor over in the States. She talked about how passion leads to purpose, um, which you segued to as well. Uh, and that's brilliant. Um, one thing which I think people will find really interesting and, and, you know, I've sort of got the goosebumps on the arms is, is that it still sounds like such a, you know, a, a kind of a community, um, you know, grassroots community, if you will. And I think that's, that's an interesting barrier I think will break down for some people because as new people come into the club and come from other clubs or other sports or other industries, how do you foster that real culture as that key leader? Yeah, that's, mate, that's a great question. And, and, and you are right, we pride ourselves on our point of difference that we are uh, uh, what we term a community-owned club. Uh, and, and, you know, our, our background is News Limited. You know, News owned our club and, uh, uh, again, due to the fantastic work of the people at the time and the relationship that we have and still have with News, uh, you know, they then sold, when they exited, they sold us to our Leagues Club, you know, which is owned by the community. And uh, one of the things with sport is it's, 
really interesting that what's a sporting decision or what's best for the team isn't necessarily the best business decision uh, to start with. Uh, and so you need to be able to balance that business and, and what you need from an outcome perspective for, uh, you know, and at the end of the day, it's those 17 guys that cross the white line every week that represent your club at, at the highest level as such. So people coming into our organisation, you know, how do, how do we ensure that they're ingrained to our culture? Uh, I'll go back to what I talked about with our purpose and our trademarks. You know, we can't assume that when someone puts their CV into the Cowboys that they know the background of our club, you know, that we're born in 95 and, you know, in 1994, and sorry, 1993, when the New South Wales Rugby League accepted our... Uh, our, our submission, uh, we were able to do that because Forex Lion Nathan put up the money for it. So, you know, and Forex is still one of our most wonderful partners uh, to this state. And, and how we, where we were born from and how the players turfed the field and the hill the night before our very first game against Canterbury-Bankstown. Now, I know that because I'm, I've been part of that club. I've, I, you know, I, I learned that. So, what we need to ensure and what any organisation needs to ensure if they're going to set a culture is they give the people the opportunity to know that background. And uh, we've done some really simple things around induction videos, induction booklets. We have just this year, uh, we were able to constitute a whole day where everybody who worked from the club, uh, from our chairman down to player number 36, were in the one room at the one time and we were really able to do some work around that and re I suppose, reshape and revalue our values and our trademarks and the like. So one of the important things about people coming to us is knowing straight away our purpose, what our strategic intent is, and our behaviours on how we're going to get to that strategic intent. And just as importantly, letting them know that the ideas, the you know, what they bring with them and the professionalism that they can bring to our club is something that's really important to us. Uh, again, that insular nature, you're not gonna get anywhere. You need to be able to, and, and as a leader, the last thing I say to, to my guys on a one-on-one -on -one is, have you got anything that I need to know? I need the feedback uh, to be able to ensure that I'm leading the club the way uh, that we talk about from a values perspective, but also in the direction. And, and I suppose, you know, what we've all lived through over the last couple of months, you know, that was one of the, uh, the hardest jobs and a job that I never thought I had to do where I had to look close to 85 people in the, in, in the eye and let them know that they have to stand down, uh, you know, and, and uh, it's that communication, that clarity with them because they understand who we are and what we do and why we need to do that. Uh, and it's my, my job now to, to get, be able to get those people uh, back to some, back into the club as well. Uh, and us, you know, and they've been very patient. We've had people come in and volunteer and do what we need to do. So that to me is setting the right culture. And, uh, you know, your pyramid is only as pointy uh, with when you get your base right, you know, and, and that's what we're working on and we continue to work on very hard. You can never get complacent around that. And that's in a business and also in a sporting uh, arena. You know, you're not going to produce the Michael Morgans, the Kyle Feltz and the Matthew Scotts if you haven't got that development system right down the bottom as well. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. 
If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Just on development um, and specifically career and personal development within uh, within the career, you know, you've you've had the opportunity even within the same club have have moved and changed roles uh, and then also um, with other establishments. As a boss, as a CEO now, um, I guess responsible and probably KPI to some degree to retainment. How does someone in your position with the experience you've had? How do you manage, you know, the advice to people that hey, movement you know, in your career can be good, is good, should be done. Where do you stand on that? What, you know, what advice do you give to people? Yeah, that's a, and, and it's something that I'm still developing as a leader as well to be, you know, be ensure. And, and it's uh, something that you said before that has said, if, if I had a little bit of time again, I wouldn't change a thing except that I would always be more confident than I was 10, 15 years ago, knowing what, you know, and, and I suppose hindsight's a wonderful thing. Uh, I'm a big, big person about earning that respect, uh, and and with those people, I can have those open and honest conversations. Uh, that I think we all know when time is right to be able to go and and look at different ways. Professional development is huge for me internally as well, and uh, we had, and we have to reshape it after COVID. But uh, that professional development budget for us is an important thing where people get to grow and and, and nurture. Uh, and my the headlines are like there is not only for that person but it also helps the club. So we have uh, I call them real conversations. Uh, you know we have those real conversations daily, uh, and and I get them back to me as well. But my next step as a leader is to ensure that when I sit down and we're seeking that advice, that people can come to me freely uh, in the way that hey here's the opportunities, what can we do, and and how can that advance myself in the club or do I have to go and look to come back in, in some case and uh, 
I, I've said it a couple of times, but being an insular, you know, and, and I think, you know, listeners will, will hear that I've been here and I've gone and, and, and I'm back again. Uh, but I maintain that if I didn't go and I didn't have the career experiences that I did uh, and, and travel that path, uh, I wouldn't be talking to you today in this role. You know, I probably ha- would have, you know, heaven forbid, maybe still sitting in that role, thinking about what if rather than going out and making it happen. You know, again, when I talk about that confidence that I would have liked to have 10, 15 years ago, it was people telling me that because of my style, I'm not confrontationalist. You know, I like to work out where things have come from, get informed decisions. You will never be a CEO because of your style, okay? And it was when I started getting some executive coaches and really growing comfortable with my style, rather than trying to be somebody else, I embraced who I was and then worked out how is my style, how can I fit that to a role such as a CEO? And uh, that's what I spent my time on in the last four or five years and was able to come out on on that other side. So uh, I I say to people, you're right, I don't get caught up in titles uh, in any way, shape or form. And, uh, uh, you know, that that multi-skilling and and, and indeed in the post-COVID world, an agile structure and a cross-functional structure is going to be key to any business's success, in particular businesses in our industry, whether that be sports, entertainment, hospitality, that are, that are suffering the most at the moment to come out that other side. Uh, so that that's something that I think is, if someone would have given me that direction 10 years ago, or I would have found it myself, uh, things could be different. But things happen for a reason. You put yourself in that position. Uh, and again, I wouldn't change a thing. Mate, I'm smiling because I've got a couple of quick fire questions at you and one of them was, what's the worst bit of advice you've had? And I think you just answered it. You'd never be a CEO. Well, that that person was wrong. I've got a couple of quick ones for you. If you don't mind, I'll throw them at you um, as they can be one word answers. They can be one sentence, whatever you're up to. um, I'll fly through them and I'll I'll finish off with our student question of the week, uh, which we we do in every episode. and, And I really like this one and I think you'll have a good answer for it. You've had the opportunity to work with an elite sporting legend, Jonathan Thurston. What was your relationship like with him while he was at the club playing and his work ethic, which I've heard is amazing, what did it teach you in your career? We've always had a relationship. Uh, we have a, quite a close relationship now because Jonathan works for the club. Uh, you will never find a bloke that will do those one percenters any better than Jonathan Thurston. And what he has taught me is that you can come from anywhere uh, if you, with hard work and per- perseverance, uh, mixed in with the talent that you've got, the world's your oyster, you know. And, and he is a leader of our country, Jonathan, uh, you know. And, and you look at it now, he works for us, he works for Channel 9, he's got his own academy, uh, and people really look up to him, and, 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 and I do too. And I cherish the time uh, that I get to have with him which is quite a lot now, uh, and, and, a, and a number of times uh, him and I get to travel together uh, to visit, whether it be our partners or government representatives, and uh, I still learn off him every day. As a CEO, you're not just working in sport, you're also working in finance and uh, you know, legal matters and marketing and sales and everything in between that you've already talked about. I think it will surprise a lot of people how diverse the staff is and the skill set is within a, a sporting club. What's one role or one department that you think would surprise people that exists in a football club? That's a, that's a good question. 
you know, we have our own multimedia department. So we have our own TV producer. Uh, we also have two cameramen. Uh, we have a full-time social media person, uh, two people uh, that, that look after our our marketing and story writing and the like. And, and, and I just don't think, in, even in this day and age where, you know, social media and, and moving, you know, at the light speed that that does, I don't think people would would understand uh, what we have there and the talent that we have uh, that involves in a rugby league club. And another one quite as interesting is uh, outside of our football department, our largest employment group at the club is actually in our community department. Uh, so I don't think you, you you would think that in a footy club, the people that engage with the community with our education and, and wellbeing programs uh, hold uh, the most employment status. So uh, that that's an interesting one too. Awesome. Now, if I dream of working for the North Queensland Cowboys, where's the opportunity in the next couple of years as a young career starter? Where where should I be looking for that dream job opportunity? Yeah, well, I suppose there's there's two ways to look at it. If you're looking from an athlete management or or a development perspective, uh, there's that side of it. And and you go back to what I was doing. We still have guys that, that do that for us now, okay? But if you wanted to get on the business side of it, uh, my advice there is that multi-skilling, that agile, uh, and be prepared. And, and it's sometimes difficult uh, in, in for Generation Xs and the like to, to understand that you're not going to go straight into this high-powering powering job where you'll have people reporting to you. It's the opportunity to do those hard yards and earn the respect of the people around you to be able to come up. Be multi-skilled. That multi-skill, you know, and again, I go back, uh, I'm an accountant. I went back and got an, an MBA degree and, and, and uh, did that MBA to look at the areas that outside of finance. So that those all-rounders isn't the right word. You need to be the master of something, but you also need to be aware that in, in sport, you know, at halftime, you could be holding up a banner. You know, at uh, you know, you could be running the water, whatever that may be. So you need to be prepared for that multi-skillness around it. Can you give me one critical thing you look for in a job applicant? Ooh, that's, a, that's a really good question. Uh, one thing that I always like is when I meet that person, uh, whether they can look directly at me uh, and when I ask them about themselves, what type of answer that is. And, and what I've always been uh, really, I suppose, around is that work-life balance. At the moment, we haven't got a work-life balance because of what we're living through, you know, and I think, and, and I'm really fortunate, I've got a family that supports me around that. And, you know, you, you listen to those people who ask, what's your biggest achievement? And, and they want to answer it because they think you're asking, you know, you know, when I was in the top 10 in my university uh, or whatever it might be as such. It, it's getting to know that person and that personality I really think lets us know whether they're the right fit uh, for our club. But also, just as importantly, when we need someone to do a particular role, that person needs to be strong enough. If I know that they're not the same style or personality as other people within the department, but we need them to do the job because we need them to agitate and the like, know that they're strong enough to be able to do that with the support mechanisms that we would give to them. Student question of the week. Always the best question that's asked in this episode. Okay. Um, this, <laughs> this week's question is from Denny. And she asks, what's the biggest rejection that you've had that you'd like to share? And what was your key learning from it? <laughs> That's an interesting one. Uh, it's, it's an interesting one. 
Um, it actually isn't quite uh, employment related, but it, it, it relates back to a philosophy, I suppose, is, uh, again, I remember when I first started uh, working and, you know, you'd get uh, the items in the mail about signing up for an American Express or a diner's club card or whatever that may be. And uh, I wanted to be a little bit different because back then diner's club, you know, you whatever you spent on it, you had to pay it by the end of the month. You know, so I thought, oh, I, I want to be one of the high flyers with a, a diner's club card. That surally is impressive. I filled out the application and then when they said, how much are you going to spend a month on it? I went, oh, 100 bucks, that's all I can afford. You know, I got rejected from that. And I thought to myself, why the bloody hell would they send it to me if they're rejecting me about that? But it, it taught me a, a real lesson. You need to earn the right to be able to have a card like that or, or, or whatever it may be. So at the time I was kicking stones, I, I rang them. I, I rang them to try and get an explanation, but they just look, go away, young man. You know, but uh, uh, I would say that, that there was that one. Uh, but I, looked, I, from an employment perspective, again, when I was on the Gold Coast, uh, you know, I, I thought I had a job to run a sport facility down there. And it was something that I really pumped myself up for because there was a, an, an element of uh, athletes in there, an element of finance, an element of business and an element actually of boarding, which was part of what I used to do in, in schools. And uh, uh, I got the phone call to say I was the preferred applicant and then nothing happened uh, for four to six weeks. Uh, and I was really let down only to read uh, in the Sunday Mail that there was some sort of, uh, I suppose, scandal uh, around uh, the ownership of it and the, and the government structure around it and the like. So that was a pretty big rejection for me, but again, turned out to be a positive. So uh, I hope I've answered that as well as I could. Interesting one, mate. I like it. I've never heard anyone uh, getting rejected from a Diners Club uh, card for, for the start. Have, so. have, have you ever tried? Have you ever tried? I don't think I have, to be honest. Uh, no. I, I don't even know if they're around anymore. No, I, I won't. Just to avoid my own rejection, I'll stick with that. And um, I think yeah, f from the career one, I imagine some of the uh, – uh, legalities that you would have been looking at with that with that scandal at that business has probably um, you know even subconsciously helped you kind of avoid it in in, in your own front uh, in mm -hmm. your own roles. So, hey Jeff, I, I've really enjoyed this, mate. I, I think um, I feel great about the people that work under you. To be honest, you know you come across as a super um, you know inspirational and, and motivational leader uh, and someone that really cares for you know the people uh, and the business that you're working for. So. Super impressive, mate. I knew you had a dream job. You know, CEO of a football club uh, in Australia um, is amazing. I was super interested in the career journey you had, um, and, and yeah, now it hit home, hits home that you're, um, you know, you're successful because you, you're great at what you do and you really think of, of those key elements um, with the people that you work for. So um, awesome, mate. I really appreciate your time. Mate, thank you for the opportunity. And you're right, mate. Our club is our people, and uh, without people, any business doesn't work at all, mate. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.